Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Busy, busy, busy on this Monday. NBA weekend, fascinating. Aaron Rodgers has the world on hold. Baseball going nowhere fast, and one superstar has lost more than you could ever imagine. All that and more, we're going to start with the takes. All right, because we are joined today by only one member of the assembled member of the hashtag crew today. Hembo's on vacation this week. Bubba, God knows where Bubba is. So we have Nuno with us today, and so I thought I would start with my takes. It's a very busy little juncture in the sports world, and actually, Nuno, Kyler Murray added to that about an hour ago, and I will get to some of that. But first, I'm going to give you my top five takes from the NFL weekend, or excuse me, from the entire world of sports. It is not just NFL, but it does start with NFL. And it begins with Aaron Rodgers, who at this point, with every day that goes by, is being selfish. There is no reason, no obvious reason or even unobvious reason, why Aaron Rodgers should not have made up his mind already. All the tea leaves seem to point toward him going back to Green Bay. The Packers have done absolutely everything they can. They're restructuring contracts and money and working towards that. They're going to have to continue to make moves with these players on their team, including as they get the deals done for Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers, releasing a bunch of players. For those players' benefit, it would be the best thing for them if they got released right now. There's nothing obvious holding up Aaron Rodgers. In fact, there's nothing at all holding up Rodgers for making his decision. There's no reason not to just do it. And at some point, while I totally understand and appreciate enjoying the attention, basking in the attention, unless there's something going on, that another shoe that has to drop before you can make up your mind, the idea that you're still weighing the pros and cons like a guy with a legal pad writing, you know, stay in Green Bay on one side and go to Denver on the other and writing down the benefits and the, and, and, and the deductions, if you will, of each side of that. It's ludicrous. This is a decision that he's been making for a year. He's known this was coming. He put the contract in place to, in order to come into training camp last year that dictated that they would reach this impasse. So he has reached the fork in the road, and there's no obvious reason to stall before taking one side or the other. And it is becoming selfish the longer he waits to do it. I hope one way or the other that he moves quickly. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Cars, homes, boats, motorcycles, RVs, and more at Progressive.com. My top five takes from this very busy weekend. The Lakers are unimaginably bad. Last night, in a season... That has been so disappointing. I don't really know what the words are. No, no, let's look up synonyms for disappointing. What's a stronger way of saying disappointing? Disastrous, hideous, embarrassing, humiliating. Last night was a new low. They turned the ball over 16 times in the first half and were non-competitive against the New Orleans Pelicans at home. They finished with 23 turnovers and lost at home by 28 points. Now, the Pelicans are good. I've been making that point for a while. Brandon Ingram is a really good player. C.J. McCollum is a new acquisition. They're a better team than their record would suggest because they started the season something like 11 games under 500 and have played their way back. They will finish as a 500 team this year, and that's easily a team the Lakers could see in the play-in. Easily. And that's where the Lakers are going to be. And let's just remember where this began. October, 
I'm hosting the first edition of NBA Countdown. And the consensus belief, not only of the people I've got on that show, but of everybody, and in particular Las Vegas, was that the Lakers were not just a favorite, they were a prohibitive favorite to win the Western Conference. LeBron James, Anthony Davis, the addition of Russell Westbrook. If anyone can figure out how to make that, that pairing work, LeBron will. He's a basketball genius. The additions of some of the other players, Carmelo Anthony, all he wants is a ring. He'll play any role that you could possibly need. All the other pieces they have in place there. It's an embarrassment. They're terrible. They're six games under five hundred. The Clippers, their, their roommates, building mates, arena mates, whatever you call that, have played their entire season without Kawhi Leonard and have a better record than they do. The Clippers have shown you some heart. They're actually over five hundred. The Lakers are six games under. And I know that Anthony Davis has missed so much time, but you almost have to factor that in, right? Anthony Davis is always hurt. So when people say, well, they mortgaged everything to get that one ring in the bubble they got, I guess they did. But the NBA, and Nuno, let me bring you in quickly on this thought. You're my VP of Basketball Insight. The NBA is filled with excellent young players who are former Lakers, I don't even. I, I just mentioned Brandon Ingram. He's obviously one of them, and Alex Caruso. And just look around the sport at players who are making a significant difference in different places who were Lakers. So they have sacrificed a lot to get that one championship in the bubble, and now it looks like they are in big, big trouble. Nuno, your thoughts? Yeah, and I think if you're a Laker fan, you say thank you for that championship, but at this point in time that you're not going to win a championship now or in the near future and that you don't want to mortgage your future. You move on from LeBron and possibly trade Anthony Davis if you can. So you just, I don't know if this was you or someone that put LeBron's tweet in my rundown. I hadn't seen this or I hadn't thought of it. Did you put this in there? Yeah, I just put it in there. That's really good. Again, Nuno is among other. He's not only my VP of Basketball Insight, but he's the producer of this show. And he reminded us of a tweet from August 4th, 2021. So last summer, before he deleted it, you write in here, do we know when LeBron deleted this tweet? Um, That I'm not sure, but I think it was kind of right after he posted it. Because he tweeted on August 4th, keep talking about my squad, our personnel ages, the way he plays, he stays injured, we're past our time in this league, et cetera, et cetera. Do me one favor, please, and I mean please, keep that same narrative energy when it begins. That's all I ask. Well... Unfortunately, Bronze, sometimes you have to be careful what you wish for because all the things that everybody said could be the problems for this team have happened. But guess what? The team is way worse than I would have expected in my worst imaginal scenario. Whatever I figured the absolute worst this team could possibly be was, they are worse than that. Right now, they're not a playoff team. They're not. They're going to make the play-in, I think, but they're not, they are a non-competitive. They would, if they wind up playing any of the big teams in the Western Conference in round one, they will be non-competitive. It's Greeny's Takes here with uh, my top five observations from a very busy weekend. Time for Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. That's number three. Number three is baseball fans, fasten your seatbelts because this is going to be a very bumpy week and maybe month and God help us maybe longer than that. You're aware of the circumstances, the two sides that are negotiating here or pretending to met for six hours yesterday. 
with the threat of today's deadline. If they don't have a new CBA by the end of today, opening day will be canceled along with potentially a week's worth of games. And I'm going to have Jeff Passan on the show in an hour, and we will talk about why there is no reason to expect that to change anytime soon. They're not getting a deal done today. And I've told you many times why. Because they don't want to. Last week, I told you about my friend Steve, who's a negotiator. What he does for a living is he negotiates. In, in the business world, finance world, he works in real estate, and he's the guy they send in to make a deal. And I'm fascinated by that. And so I've asked him many times, and he has said to me many times, Greeny, at the end of the day, it all comes down to this. You walk in there, you sit on one side of the table, they sit on the other. You've got all your posturing, you've got everything. At the end of the day, it comes down to this. Do you want to make the deal or don't you? Everyone in the room knows who does and who doesn't. At the end of the day, the owners don't want a deal. They want to break this union. And the union feels they've been put upon, that they have taken L after L ever since the last time that they were willing to go all the way, which they did in 94. These two sides are worlds apart because neither of them wants to make a deal right now. So this thing is not going to get any better until it gets much, much worse. Straight talk wireless, no contract, no compromise. My top five takes from the weekend. John Morant is Derek Rose reincarnate. Credit to my friend Michael Wilbon, who was the one who gave me that. John Morant is just spectacular. And when I was, I was sitting in the room with Wilbon on Friday night, and we were talking about Morant, and I said, he kind of reminds me of Allen Iverson. And he said to me, no, he's not. He's Derrick Rose. And he couldn't be more right. And so the fact that Morant was in Chicago Saturday night, year three, which is the year that Derrick Rose won his MVP award, and a good job by ESPN's Instagram account, um, put up a bunch of video of D. Rose from that year. And, you know, it's so long ago now, and he's had so many injuries and reinvented himself to the degree that he has. Nuno, you kind of forget how ridiculously athletic Derrick Rose was, just how spectacular to watch when he was young and healthy. And that is the comp that Wilbon is making. He's the first one I heard say it, and now I feel like it's gaining some traction. John Morant, Nuno, is Derrick Rose reincarnate. Yeah, and I think I think that's the the unfortunate thing with uh, Derrick Rose is that you don't realize that if he stays healthy, he probably wins another at least another MVP. They probably beat one of those Miami teams, uh, LeBron teams, and make you know make a finals. And the only thing I hope with Ja is that he stays healthy because he attacks the rim so violently and there are those times where he comes down and I know he's talked about how he learned how to fall but eventually and god I hope it doesn't happen but like that's what I worry about that eventually one of those falls is going to put him out for a long time yeah he plays with the reckless abandon he plays with the reckless abandon which is exactly the right term for him it's what got Derrick Rose into the predicament that he wound up in and turned his career into what it is Derrick Rose is not going to wind up in the hall of fame and Derrick Rose not only was a Hall of Fame talent when he came into the league, he was an immortal talent. He had the opportunity to be a genuine great, like one of these all-time great players. And unfortunately, it didn't happen. But right now, I think John Morant looks like he could be and hopefully should be. And I agree with you, hopefully he stays healthy. But there's only one number one takeaway you can possibly have, and that is that Harden and Embiid look unreal. 
and I'm going to have Tim Legler live here in just a couple of minutes, and we spent some time talking about it. We had the Sixer game on uh, yesterday against the Knicks on ABC, so our crew was sitting together watching it. And Nuno, I mean, you're a Knicks fan, and I know you hate Philly sports more than anything. That had to that had to be excruciating for you to hear, A, half the garden, if not more, cheering for them. B, everything you could possibly fear, Harden and Embiid being, they are, and then some, right? They couldn't look better. And add C to this, and this is going to sound like I'm just being disgruntled, but I'm not, is if the NBA is going to call the game they called yesterday and and just constantly allow them to go to the foul line, this is, it's going, they're going to be unstoppable, and they're going to be truly a team that people will hate. Like, I might consider rooting for the Nets based upon the fact of if the NBA allows them to get away with the stuff that they were – and give them the calls that they were getting yesterday. Well, listen, to your point, I was going to make a joke. I'm going to contact our programming people and say, when we have a Sixer game from now on, set aside an extra half hour. Like, however long we usually budget for these games to be, they're going to be another half hour. How many foul shots did they wind up taking yesterday? 72, was it? I mean, they were at the free throw line the entire day. How many foul shots did they take? Or how many fouls were called? Maybe that wasn't the... the, What what was the number? How many many foul shots did they take? I'll give you a second to look it up. It was endless. I think Embiid himself shot 27 free throws or something. They they took 44 uh, free throws yesterday. Yeah. Uh, It it was just ridiculous. It was ridiculous. I I think there were a total of 72 fouls called or something like that. We we were watching, you know, sitting here. At at some point, we were getting ready for uh, our second game yesterday. But but the Sixers look ridiculous. So I'm going to pause briefly on that thought, and I'm going to get Legler in here. Legler will have his thoughts on the Sixers and on the Lakers and on what the Nets are going to be and on all the top of the Eastern Conference. We got Miami-Chicago tonight, which is a really interesting and important game. A bunch of football news out there. We are jam-packed on this Monday. Hey, did you know that according to research, 90% of employers plan to enhance their employee experience this year. If you need to add more employees, there's ZipRecruiter, with technology that finds qualified candidates for your job, and then you can invite your top choices to apply. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny. Legler is next. I'm Greeny on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Hi, Cranny with you here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Timmy Legler will join me live in 30 seconds all around a busy NBA weekend after this word from Straight Talk Wireless. You know, cutting the price of your wireless bill feels good, really good. Actually, it feels great. You should try it. 
Cut your bill by switching to Straight Talk Wireless. Now offering the $45 Silver Unlimited plan with 5 gigabytes of hotspot, nationwide 5G on America's largest, most dependable networks. The $45 Silver Unlimited plan from Straight Talk. Straight Talk Wireless, no contract, no compromise. A month equals 30 days. See terms and conditions at straighttalk.com. 5G-capable device required. Actual availability, coverage, and speed may vary. And with that, we bring my buddy Tim Legler into the conversation with us here. Good morning again, Legler. Good morning, Green. How are you? I'm great. So I, I want to. So we we uh, and I say again because Legs and I had a couple of opportunities to chat on Get Up this morning. But you know, on the TV show, we will keep it to the biggest and broadest topics, and that's why I like having this opportunity to dive a little more into some of the specifics when it comes to these teams. Let's start with Harden and Embiid. Anyone who has ever seen a basketball game in their lives can tell from their first two games that they look extraordinarily good together, comfortable together, and, and going to be very difficult to stop. Nuno just brought up the way the game is officiated and all the foul calls they got yesterday and the amount of time they spend on the line and all the rest of that. What should we expect relative to that? These are both guys who get a lot of calls. What should we expect relative to that? I guess what I'm trying to ask you is, should we be expecting that to be what these games look like where they're going to be shooting 35, 40 foul shots a game with those two guys? Well, I don't think it's going to be like that every night, obviously. I mean, Joel Embiid, that was almost a record-setting performance getting to the line that many times in this short period of time. Um, so it won't be quite on that level. But listen, this is a big part of what these guys do, Greeny. They've been doing it their entire career. So on an average night, they're going to shoot 20-plus free throws combined. That's what it's going to look like. And, and as a result, you control games when you can get to the line to that extent because you're constantly setting up your half-court defense. You are basically putting points on the board because, you know, it's one thing to get to the line. The luxury that, that this team has, their star players convert to free throws. I mean, Joel Embiid is a guy, he's, a, he's that rare big that you can run your offense through in important moments, get fouled, and count on him making both free throws. James Harden, the same thing. So you're putting points on the board, you're putting teams in foul trouble, you're getting into the bonus early in quarters, and you're also allowing your defense to play more of a half-court game. So that's what getting to the line does, and yet, yeah, it's a huge part of their game. So, you know, minimum, most nights, 20 free-throw attempts. And then there's going to be a lot of nights probably when they get into 25, 30 free-throw attempts combined, and this is why they put so much pressure on you. And then, by the way, if you do play them without fouling, that's fine because they can make shots from any layer on the floor. They can make shots as driving finishers. They can make shots as post players. They can make shots from the three-point line. They can make shots from the mid-range. So even if you don't foul them, they have the ability to put the ball in the basket from all over the floor, and that's why this is the most potent offensive combination this league has right now. Now, they took 37 foul shots yesterday between them and in a game in which Embiid only played 36 minutes and Harden 39. Harden looks incredibly comfortable there and it is remarkable when he's I hate even saying this because it sort of offends my sensibility legs but when he's motivated when he's happy when for whatever reason he's in the right psychological and emotional space to be his best he is about as thorough an offensive player as there is in the league and and maybe as there's been in a while yes yeah, he is. And, you know, the thing that I noticed about him immediately in the first game with Philly, it was when he plays with that kind of motivation and purpose, every possession where he is trying to destroy whoever's in front of him, he's fun to watch when he plays like that. He played quick. 
He's playing with much faster pace. There were there are times he gets into this methodology where he comes up the floor and he's the last guy up the court with the ball, and the whole game is different. And then he's going to dribble the ball a lot of times, 15, 20 times. No one else touches it. No, no one likes watching that style. When he plays like this, he's got more urgency to get up the floor. When he does, he's attacking whatever's in front of him. And he's going to not necessarily to score, but to break you down, to create a reaction out of your team defensively. And if you don't get enough of a reaction, he'll, he'll then be a scorer. If you overload to him, he has no problem being a facilitator for long stretches in games and controlling the game with his passing. And, and very few guys in the league can do that. You know, LeBron James can do that. Luka Doncic can do that. James Harden can do that. They can go six, eight, ten-minute stretches if they choose without shooting the ball and still control the action. It's a very rare quality, and that's what makes him so special. The thing that we were wondering was, you know, what was this version of James Harden going to look like? And he is so clearly motivated right now with this new environment and playing with a guy like Embiid. I love how fast he is playing, and I love how aggressive he is at the point of attack and decisive with his dribble to just beat whatever matchup he has. He's a really fun player to watch, and there's no great answer for him in terms of game plan or personnel. You know, who's got the personnel to guard a guy that's that strong with that kind of range and that kind of handle? You know, he combines all of that in one package, and there's just very little you can do with him when he's playing at this kind of pace. And, and that's what's been fun to watch through two games. Greeny and Legs with us uh, here on ESPN Radio. All right, next stop was we'll go to Brooklyn. Uh, we had their game on ABC on Saturday night, and when we were done here, I got into my car and I listened to your interview with – you were doing the game and your interview with Seth Curry after the game. And I started thinking, and you and I touched on this briefly off the air this morning – that all of the attention will be on Ben Simmons in this trade, and understandably so. He's the star-crossed star player. But the two other pieces that the Nets got in this deal, meaning Seth Curry and Andre Drummond, both played a huge role in their win Saturday night at Milwaukee, and along the way are going to wind up being really valuable pieces. If, if the Nets wind up making the finals legs, I have a feeling those two guys, particularly Curry, are going to wind up playing a huge part in it. Yeah, because he has improved his handle to the point, Greeny, that he is very dangerous now off ball screens. He's a lot more than a catch-and-shoot guard. He does that at a really high percentage, I think the fifth highest in the history of this league in terms of making threes. But he now also is a guy, if you give him a ball screen, he's very clever with his handle and he can get the spots and make plays. He won't necessarily facilitate for other people, but that's fine. They've got guys that can do that. So he is a very important cog to what they have going forward, particularly without Joe Harris playing. And then Drummond... Man, you know, the guy, is, I think, has the 10th highest rebounds per game average in the history of the NBA. Yeah. And I believe every single guy that's in front of him on that list is in the Hall of Fame. That's the level at which Andre Drummond has rebounded the basketball throughout his career. And I give him both credit, and I talked to Steph Curry after the game. We interviewed him, and I asked him specifically about you know, how hard it must have been because, look, I live in the Philly area. I was a lot of games watching those guys play. They had really developed credible popularity with the Philadelphia crowd. You know, Curry with his shooting, Drummond, you bring in a guy and it plays 15, 18 minutes and you can guarantee he's going to get you 10, 12 rebounds. Um, fans fell in love with him. So they go from that situation and now they find themselves here in a completely different situation and give them credit because they just, they just show up. They're immediately pros. They don't hang their head at all. They don't take extra time to get to Brooklyn and sort through their feelings or their condition. 
They showed up immediately, they played immediately, and they've both been highly productive immediately. So you picked up, when Simmons comes back, three starters in that trade. And we haven't talked a lot about that, but they're not just throw-in guys. These are major contributors that give the Nets exactly what they need, a shooter off the ball to play off KD, Simmons, and Kyrie, and a big because they lack size, and they're going to need bigs when you play against Giannis Antetokounmpo and Joel Embiid in particular. So we didn't make much of it, but they really got a nice return. And I saw Sean Marks before the game. He looked like he was a pretty happy guy moving forward now, knowing what he's going to have. I think he's pretty comfortable with what that starting unit looks like. Greeny and legs. Yeah, that could wind up being a trade that does genuinely help both teams. By the way, a week from Thursday, Nets at Sixers. What is your prediction? Will Ben Simmons play in that game or no? My prediction is that Ben Simmons will hit peak conditioning on March 11th. Does that make sense to you? Yes, it does. Okay, suddenly, suddenly, you know, the way they're talking about his conditioning, it's like this guy's a thoroughbred athlete, okay? He's secretariat on a basketball court. And you're tell- and he's supposedly, you know, I saw him at the game the other night in sweats, but I walked past him in the tunnel. He looks pretty good. He didn't pack on any pounds. He's ready to go. I just have a feeling that it's all going to come together even before March 11th, Green, March 10th at about 10.30 p.m. <laughs> he is going to feel amazing. And you're going to see him shortly after that because I just don't think he's going to show up for that game. I really don't think he's going to. And they're starting to extend the time. You can tell when they talk about it. Mm-hmm. They're giving him more time knowing that may be the case. I feel like he should get it over with. And then if you got to go back to the playoffs, at least you got the first one out of your system. Philadelphia fans are never going to forget this. The rest of his career, he's going to get it to the same extent because Philadelphia fans are like that. Unlike any other place in the league, they're never going to let this go. It's not going to die down the way it did for LeBron coming back to Cleveland after the first time. It's going to be like this forever, but it's going to be a little bit worse the first time. So just get it out of the way. You might have to play there three or four times in the postseason if you get them in a series. So you should get it out of the way, but I can't see it happening. Greeny and Legs, I, I, I agree with you. Let, let's finish it up by just we'll make this whole thing one big Eastern Conference conversation. Tonight, Miami and Chicago uh, play each other. They've been the two best teams in the conference the entire season, and yet they are teams that generally get a lot less attention for a number of reasons than the Brooklyn's and the Phillies and I guess even Milwaukee based upon having won the championship and, and having uh, Giannis. So I would ask you, which of those two teams do you think is better built for a long run in the playoffs, even potentially a championship run this year, the Heat or the Bulls? I think the Heat because I think the Heat have the potential with certain packages they put on the court to be the best defensive team every night they play. I mean, they, they, they're, you know, they, they've got some veteran guys a little bit older, maybe a little bit banged up. You have to maintain health with some of those guys. But when you put a lineup out there and you can put – Kyle Lowry out on the floor of the P.J. Tucker or Jimmy Butler or Bam Adebayo. I mean, you can just do things from a versatility standpoint defensively that very few teams in this league, if anybody, can do. So I would bank on their defense, particularly in in postseason play, when things slow down, possessions are more at a premium, and you have a defensive team like that. That can keep you in games when you're not making shots and eventually win games when you're not making shots. So I think – I would probably lean toward them. Chicago's been an amazing story. DeMar DeRozan has been sensational this year. But 
I also think, you know, making mid-range contested twos in the playoffs when there's more contact and you're worn down a little bit more because of the physical nature of the game, it's much more difficult to be efficient scoring the ball the way DeMar DeRozan does in the areas of the floor he operates. So I think that his efficiency will come down a little bit in the postseason, and the Heat defense will be a constant for them. I'm with you. Let me make one argument, if I could, in favor of Chicago, and, and this is based in large part on the fact that I sit next to Michael Wilbon two or three nights a week, and, and I get all of this in great detail. The Bulls have never at any point this year really been at full strength. They've had injuries from the very beginning, and it has continued. If they get, well, not if, when they get back Alonzo Ball and Alex Caruso, and they actually have all of these guys, which they really basically have not had all year long, could that change your perspective at all? Because they, they, they have a little level of depth that maybe some of the other recent conference contenders don't. Um, may, they may not need as much specifically from DeRozan by the time they get there, depending on that. Could could that change your perspective at all if they get everybody back and healthy? Yeah, I mean, it will obviously make them more viable threat in my mind, but I just look at the other teams you're talking about they're going to have to beat. I mean, however this plays out, and seedings and matchups are going to be huge if they're going to win a round. Who knows who they play in the first round? But you potentially, you know, you get one of these teams. You get the Nets, you know, getting Kyrie potentially, who knows, playing all the time by then, and even if not, KD's back. You're adding Curry, Drummond, and, and look, Ben Simmons is going to help that team dramatically defensively and with playmaking and pace. You might have played them. You got the defending champion Bucks, who right now defensively, I don't know what's going on with them, but they're still the Bucks, and you still have Giannis Antetokounmpo, who could dominate a series unlike a few others. You know, and then you got obviously Philadelphia with what they're bringing to the table, and we just talked about the Heat. I just think it's tough because you're. I don't think they're going to be favored in any of those series. And it's just going to be tough to win a round unless they avoid those teams and they can win a round. Now you're into the second round. Maybe that's as far as they go. So they'll be more of a threat. I still don't see them as being as complete as the yeah. other teams when those teams are fully healthy. So if we're assuming health for these teams, then you got to assume it for all of them. And I just think the upside, particularly offensively, of these other teams is a little bit greater than Chicago's. They are in Miami tonight. Should be a very interesting night. Legs, you're the best. Thank you, my friend. We'll check in regularly here as we head down the stretch. Oh, definitely. You got it, Green. All right, Timmy Legler with us here. Hey, uh, tune into the ESPN Daily Podcast. Brings you a deep dive into a single story from one of our hundreds of reporters. It's presented by Supercuts. You can download, subscribe, and review ESPN Daily wherever you enjoy your podcast. Uh, the mayor of New York did an interview this morning in which he relayed some potentially very important information about Kyrie Irving or indirectly about Kyrie Irving. You will hear what that is coming up in a moment. Plus, two legends in their respective sports have fallen on very hard times. Can either of them professionally survive? I'll answer those questions right after this. My name is Greeny, and this is ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute, but Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like 
like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greenie today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greenie, G-R-E-E-N-Y. This is Greeny. I'm presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700. On average, call or click today. We'll have Jeff passing off the top of the hour uh, who is not only a great insider, but a beautiful writer. I'm going to read you a little bit of his column today on what will be the day that the beginning of the baseball season is canceled. Not postponed, not pushed back, but canceled. Games will be canceled uh, by the end of the day. Um, and Jeff will then join me in 15 minutes and, and we'll go through all the details and figure out where it's going to go from here. In the meantime, Nuno, you are the producer of this show, so I'm going to give you an option I've got two stories this morning that I'm interested in. Each of them are about a legend in their respective sport that has fallen for very different reasons on very hard times. And I'll be curious to see if either one of them can professionally survive. One of them is one of the greatest basketball players of all time. The other is one of the greatest golfers of all time. Which are you more interested in me starting with here as the producer of this show? Honestly, I want to hear your take on the golfer because of it's so self-inflicted. So that would be Phil Mickelson. And and I would assume most people are aware of this because even if you're not particularly interested in golf, Mickelson is, is one of the two names in that sport that I think do transcend, obviously, the sport itself. Tiger, there's Tiger Woods and then there's a huge space and then there's Phil and then there's a huge space and then there's everybody else. But Phil Mickelson, let me give you a, a quick and, – and because of the extraordinary sensitivity of the subject matter here, um, I assume many people have heard about this. But the thumbnail of what's happening is there is a – there is another golf tour that Greg Norman is fronting that is putting together plans to try and compete with the PGA Tour. Essentially, their vision for this was they were going to throw unimaginable amounts of money – at some of the biggest stars in golf and try and convince those players to come and play on this alternative tour instead of playing on the PGA tour. It would be sort of like if the USFL or some other league came along and threw unimaginable amounts of money at the best football players and tried to get them to leave the NFL and play in that league instead. Greg Norman, who's a, a, a an all-time great player and, and an extraordinarily wealthy man, well beyond 
what most golfers are, is sort of fronting that. And then the rub of this is that the money comes from Saudi Arabia. It is, it is Saudi money that is backing this. And most of the players, basically all of the high-profile players, one or one for one reason or another, have decided not to leave the PGA Tour. Most of them did not actually mention anything about the Saudis and the fact that that's the reason that they're not doing it. I don't think most of them turned it down for that reason. I think there is a level of comfort and security involved in being on the PGA Tour and loyalty and whatever other um, stability, whatever other reasons they have. Phil Mickelson, in an interview with a well-known golf writer named Alan Shipnock, who is writing a book about Phil, said in comments that Phil has sort of suggested he thought were off the record but that Chipnuck has made very clear he does not believe were. Phil said, this is not a direct quote, but it is essentially the gist of it. I know the Saudis are really bad guys. He brought up a bunch of things, including um, the journalist who was killed and said, so yeah, I get that that's real. They're really, really bad guys, but I'm still going to use them as leverage against the PGA tour to try and get stuff that I want. And these were comments that were, for any number of very obvious reasons, not received well. But I will admit that when I saw them, I first thought, well, that's going to be some trouble. I did not anticipate what has happened. Phil has lost basically all of his primary sponsors. Anybody who watches golf, you've never seen him without a hat that doesn't say KPMG on it. Gone. They have severed their relationship. Callaway. He's been playing Callaway equipment, Callaway balls forever. Gone. Amstel Light, gone. Workday, uh, what's it called? Is it Workday? Whatever the other big uh, sponsor he had, gone. The PGA Tour has taken away his tournament. He has a tournament every year that that benefits his charity and that he works with, gone. Yeah, sort of the way Arnold Palmer has a tournament and Jack has a tournament and Tiger has a tournament, gone. And I'm even hearing some whispers about what might happen at Augusta and whether they're even going to let him play in the Masters. So the question then becomes... Can he survive this? Phil Mickelson is a person who has done a lot of really good things. He's been one of the most popular players um, on on the PGA Tour and in the world of sports for a very long time. He's made life-changing money. He's made set-for-life money. So the financial piece of this is not that important. But Phil is a guy who not only, I think, really revels in the adulation of the fans and has given back to them in the way of his attention and time and energy, but also the minute he wants it will have any job he wants in golf commentary and broadcasting. He will be brilliant in that role. So does he bounce back from this? And what is the appropriate punishment for someone like him? Someone who has, for the most part, led an exemplary life publicly, His comments have all been anything you would ever want them to be. He's been, again, extraordinarily giving and open with fans and media. And he has had this one terrible thing. I mean, he's had one, he said one terrible thing, one thing that people are understandably offended by, as am I. He has apologized for it loudly and I think honestly and significantly. What's the appropriate penalty? Does someone just get cast aside? Do you take a person's worst moment? And again, I'm not in any way diminishing how ugly the moment is, how ugly the sentiment is, but is the appropriate thing just to cast him away forever then? Or does he come back from this? Is forgiveness on the table? 
I'll be fascinated to see how this thing goes. I'm going to run out of time here, but there certainly will be more time to talk about this, and I will have further thoughts because I think it's it will be very interesting to see how this is handled. It's an interesting test case for a lot of things beyond golf. Uh, Jeff Passan, meanwhile, will join me next. Will there be a baseball season? We'll answer that question right after this. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.